it's Wednesday. Hello and welcome back to the Snakes Cast, and welcome back also to Jonathan and Margaret. Hey guys. Hello. Hi there. And we're going to continue our discussion today on the importance of theme in board games. Well, not all themes are created equal, right? I mean, there are some themes that'll just cause me to kind of roll my eyes and say, again, this again. Like five years ago, we hit peak zombie, mm-hmm. I think, where every single damn game that came out had zombies in it. Or was a Walking Dead spinoff of some kind. At this point, I think tentacles are the overused thing. All the Cthulhu stuff. Mm. Like, they made a Cthulhu version of Pandemic, which I think was my breaking point for the whole Cthulhu deal. Because I love cosmic horror as a genre. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of something that where where the terror isn't of a monster that's going to come and eat you so much as the terror of your own terrible insignificance in a vast and uncaring cosmos. That's beautiful. It's just that they put a bunch of tentacles and monsters in a board game and say, look, it's Cthulhu, and oh. Why not make a board game that's actually based in that world? Because they've done it Hmm. over and over and over and over again. And also, there's money to be made. I mean, Mm -hmm. frankly, theme is often used in a very lazy sort of sense. We'll take a popular game like Pandemic or Carcassonne or what have you, and we'll slap Cthulhu or Star Wars on it and call it done. Right. This annoys me mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some cases where I can sort of see it. Like, take Risk, for example. Here's a game that's kind of elementally about large groups of people fighting each other. Lots and lots of popular stories out there that involve large groups of people fighting each other. So it kind of makes sense that they would want to do themed versions of Risk to do that. They might not be able to improve on the actual game itself. <laughs> are there any themes that really turn you off? Most themes, if they've been, like you say, just sort of superficially slapped onto a game that already has a theme. Pandemic has a theme. Save the world from four diseases. Yep. Um, there's, There's no need to put an extra thing on there. I think the same way about board game theme as I think about themes in the theater, right? Why set Hamlet during World War II? Why do a post-apocalyptic King Lear? Like, it, it's not necessary. It doesn't serve the story. It doesn't serve the play. Unless mm. you have something to offer. like um, Unless it enriches right. the experience. Like, I thought that uh, Richard III in an alternate 1930s fascist Britain worked because that was a thing that was actually fairly close to happening. Beautiful, yeah. And uh, plus Ian McKellen, so what are you going to do? Um, and similarly, <laughs> there are cases where adapting a game to a particular theme winds up contributing something to it. But I would say that these days that probably constitutes a minority mm-hmm. of them. Often it winds up being, as you say, pasted on. Mm-hmm. May I throw a question out there? Of course. Which is, does it potentially, and I think this goes for the theatre question just as much, but obviously we're a board gaming podcast, so focusing <laughs> on those, does it potentially contribute to the accessibility? Like, I may not... If, I mean, I, I am a theatre person, so it's an, it's maybe a moot question for me, but if I am not a big Shakespeare person, but the idea of King Lear in a post-apocalyptic sense mm-hmm. might be more attractive to me than King Lear in Shakespearean period drama. If it gets more bums in seats kind right. of thing. Like, if, if I'm a person who... I really love Lord of the Rings, but I have had no interest in playing Risk, but all of my friends really think I would enjoy it, they say, hey, we've got a Lord of the Rings copy of Risk would you be interested in playing it now? Kind of thing. 
And, you know, maybe for some people that will help to cross that. But for just as often, that can wind up being a barrier. Like, mm-hmm. um, I can't tell you how many times I've been working as a guru at Snakes and I've had somebody tell me, we don't want anything that's like fantasy. Hmm. You know, that's that's something that, that serves as a barrier to a lot of people, that... That, that thematic thing, that imaginative stuff, which is so appealing to some people, right. by the same token, winds up being... A turnoff. In a lot of ways, I think. It's, mm-hmm. It says, it makes certain kinds of people, I think, feel unwelcome. You know, this is not for you. Right. And yet, the, 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 to play devil's advocate for a moment, what about something like, okay, I don't want fantasy, so I don't want to play Defenders of the Realm. Well, here's Pandemic. Right. Now that's not, that's that's not quite <laughs> attaching the same example you are, where it's like I don't necessarily want the pandemic with Cthulhu attached to it, but there could be a scenario where somebody is actually attracted to something like you're saying. Here's you know Lord of the Rings Risk. Do you want to play it now? Mm-hmm. Maybe that is a gateway into something that somebody might not would have might otherwise not have played in its original form. Very much so. Not all themes are overused and hackneyed and annoying to really particularly anyone. It's possible to make a game that had a sort of a um, perhaps a sort of an exclusive fantasy sort of thing that says this is for a particular kind of audience and to see it remade in something that's more universal something mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that, that that's more of a real world sort of thing and thus attract a larger audience mm-hmm. and see now we're getting into mechanics which is my primary mm-hmm. field of interest right I'm not I'm not sold or not sold on theme I don't really care whether there's a theme attached or not what really interests me is the mechanic and the elegance of the game this how simple can it be while also being incredibly complex for the person playing it king domino which is just you know domino land pieces but you have to really think about the the mathematics of it it's Mm -hmm. resource management but in a completely different way azul is another one beautifully colored tiles you're putting them on your board Really simple, but the way in which you place those tiles and the way in which you can decide whether or not to cut off resources from your opponent makes it a very interesting relationship with you and the game and also with you and your gaming partner. Something else I think that's, uh, that's worth noting, the richness of a game's narrative is often at cross-purpose with the elegance of its mechanics. Mm -hmm. The kinds of games that you're talking about are able to succeed because of their simplicity. Yes. And that's something that acts as a hindrance if what you want to do is tell a story about characters we can identify with and uh, situations that uh, are tense and involving reaching a climax and perhaps a denouement. In order for a narrative to feel naturalistic, there has to be complexity present there. In order for a game to be elegant, it has to be simple. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, the games that I've played that have the richest narratives, the ones with the characters who seem the most alive, uh, and the decisions that seem the most mu- uh, the most like things that a person would actually face games like dead of winter Mm, or dune mm -hmm. where they're very human where you identify very deeply and very richly with the characters that are represented in the game Mm -hmm. tend to be quite fiddly in terms of the rules there need to be a lot of little complex bits that are added on in order to cause the game to make sense in a way that feels naturalistic for the world as we understand it and similarly Mm -hmm. uh, the games that are most elegant uh, you take, for example, this, the most elegant murder mystery game out there, Clue. Mm-hmm. 
very, very simple game of logic and deductive reasoning, where the goal is to narrow down the list of possibilities to one and solve who did it, where did they do it, and how did they do it. Yet, it doesn't make any sense at all. Why can't you make a supposition when you're not in that room? How, can I, how is it that I can win the game by figuring out that I'm the one who did it? Mm-hmm. Uh, how is it that I wind up getting clues from the other players by supposing these things? That doesn't make any sense at all in terms of story, but in terms of mechanics, it's very elegant. One thing I find really interesting, just just listening to to what you're saying right now, a game comes to mind that is just complex enough outside the elegant simplicity of it that mm-hmm. it allows for a bit of narrative to seep through, which is unearth. Oh yes. Um, the basic premise is that you are you have dice, which represent a team of delvers who are going in to uncover lost cities of their fallen civilization. Now, that's really, it's just a dice rolling game, but that little color of theme, that little tint is enough to, if you want to, personify these little dice, right? You have the you have the one little pyramid die that can roll between one and four, and he's the derpy one who finds all of the gems and says, look, I found a shiny thing, you know, and you say thank you. And it, it's it's something that my partner and I have be, we, we've begun to attribute little personalities to these dice that we have. And it's not necessary. You can just play it as a dice rolling game. But because these characters sort of evolve if you want to let them then it can it can have a theme or not this and it can of, have a narrative or not depending on the kind of person you are this kind of emergent theme and emergent storytelling is really exciting because it's it's not something that you can write on a card and say this story happens it's something that has to emerge organically mm-hmm. from the way you play and that is in some ways the most exciting way that a theme can take form because it's something that's a co-creation of the designers, developers, and publishers of the game with the people who play it. And it's unique at every tabletop where that game gets played. Mm-hmm. We're coming to some very interesting discussions here about exactly what theme does to a game. And I want to carry this on, but that's all we've got time for today. So join us again on Friday when we will continue this discussion further and also look into how pedagogy wraps into theme in gaming. Mm-hmm. Alright, we'll see you on Friday. Mm-hmm.